Welcome to the Big Ask Podcast, where no ask is ever too big. I'm Tara Renzi. And I'm Brooke Run. We are on a mission to give women confidence to rise and be bold, ask for what they desire, and be who they came to be. But if you want all that, you're going to have to put a little ask into it. We know that all asks come in different shapes and sizes, but the bigger the ask, the bigger the win. Welcome to the Big Ask Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Ask Podcast. I am flying solo today. I am Tara Renzi, and I have to tell you that I have literally one of my lifelong friends on the podcast today. Her name is Jennifer Johnson Leon. Just so you know, my maiden name was Tara Johnson, and we grew up in this little town of, you know, 350 people. Jennifer actually lived in the country, but we became instant friends in grade school, and everyone thought we were sisters because we had the same last name, but she's now Jennifer Leon. You know, I'm Tara Renzi. And Jennifer and I grew up together and we had so much fun just being friends. We actually, both of us moved out of the small town in middle school, correct? I moved in eighth grade and you did too. Yeah. 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 It was the same year. You moved and shortly thereafter, uh, we moved also. Yeah. Yeah. So Jennifer and I, we started uh, the Doobie Club. Which is funny now, if you think back to doobies, meaning like weed and joints, which wasn't anywhere in our attention. I don't even know where we came up with the doobie club, but we did get in trouble for starting the doobie club and the doobie club in third or fourth grade got disbanded. Maybe it was fifth grade, but we had a secret code where you would just say, wah, wah. <laughs> oh my God. I have no idea what it means. I don't but know just what so it means. You know, I still see Justin Wallen and he goes, wah. Yeah, I don't because yes. we moved when we moved away, you know, in eighth grade, you're kind of in that and, you know, you're in that weird, awkward stage of yeah, just about ready yes. to hit high school, but you're still in junior high. And so when we moved, it was really important. I'm a real social person, so it was real important for me to just dive into my new environment. Um, right. And I would visit, you know, back home every once in a while, but I just, it, it was more in my country home, you know, and visiting family. Yeah. I just never really got to town. So, um, yeah, I don't well, really get up to Portland much. 91, 90. I mean, there was no internet. Yeah. There was no cell phones. Like we would literally pen pal it. Yeah. And that's where we were. And, <laughs> yes. And, and long distance calls were like $25 a minute. I mean, I'm, I'm being a little bit, uh, you know, I'm inflating that number. But what's interesting about Jennifer and I is we've just, we've stayed in touch, like just our lives have kind of weaved in and out. And she's always been a great friend to me. I remember when I was pregnant, she found out I loved gummy bears and she brought me all these gummies over one time. By the way, I had so many cavities after being pregnant because I ate <laughs> candy during then. Um, but our lives have just continued to weave in and out. And I wanted to bring her on today because not only is she just been a, a wonderful friend to me my whole life, she's also one of the most badass inspiring women that I know. She is a three-time uh, cancer survivor and currently fighting cancer. And I wanted to bring her on today because she her strength, her positivity, her um, tenacity, 
just everything in her life and how she continues to show up just constantly inspires me. And I wanted to have her on the show today so she could inspire you. And, you know, the theme of our our podcast is the big ask. And I think that so many times we think about all these things that we want in our lives and then real life stuff happens like cancer or, you know, a family emergency or some just these these real big life things. And it just puts a lot of everything in perspective for us. And so I wanted her to come on today, share her journey, and then also share, you know, how how can we support people that we know that have been diagnosed with cancer? I know October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. My mom is a breast cancer survivor. I've been through that journey with her of taking care of her, you know, during her double mastectomies, during the, you know, the treatments after. My mother-in-law is actually a two-time cancer survivor. She's survived kidney cancer as well as breast cancer. And more and more people are, you know, that we know and that we love, especially as we age up, are being diagnosed. We, I think this is a really important message for people to know. Um, and we just want to shine light on you, Jennifer. Um, and you're just such a, just a, just this beam of light and love. And I hope that um, everyone can feel that through the podcast today. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story and, you know, when you were first diagnosed and where you're at now, and it's been a, a long road. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me on on the big ask. I'm excited to to be a part of of the podcast, um, and even more so excited to share my story because that's the one thing that I've continued through my three time um, cancer journey is the the idea of I have I've been given this this journey for a reason, and and I'm just leaning into what that is. And I think a lot of what I'm finding is that is just telling it sharing it. Um, I know being diagnosed with cancer can be a real personal thing for some people, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm very social. <laughs> people who know me know that I share, I will share everything. Um, I think knowledge is, is a source of power. It has been for me. Um, and that, you know, started in my, like I, like you said, I've been diagnosed three times. Um, I was 26 the first time and my husband and I had just been married for a year. Um, and, you know, in that first year, you learn a lot about <laughs> your new spouse. Uh, you learn eating habits and toilet habits and all <laughs> these habits. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my husband asked me, I mean, we were just having random conversation one day and I was just like so concerned that he was like in the bathroom daily and sometimes twice a day, like using the bathroom, not, you know, fully using the bathroom. I was like, is there something wrong with my cooking? Like, am I making you sick? Yeah. Like what's happening here? He's like, no, I'm just, you know, this is just regular stuff, you know? And, and then we started to talk about pooping. <laughs> and just so like, you know, well, Jennifer has sisters only. <laughs> she didn't grow up with all dudes like I did where yeah. like pooping is just a daily conversation. <laughs> You yeah, know. I, I'm one of three girls, so we just didn't, you didn't really talk about pooping. So uh, here I am talking about it with my new husband, and he's like, well, how often do you go? And I'm like, I don't know, like once a week? And he was like, whoa, 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 oh that, is, that is not enough. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's really kind of where it all started. And I wasn't feeling well. I was feeling real tired and, and just kind of exhausted. And I thought for 26 years old, that doesn't seem right. Um, so I did start going to the doctor and pursuing doctors. They, of course, every one of them said there was nothing wrong with me, that I was young and I needed to go enjoy being married. Um, 
one doctor actually suggested marriage counseling. She thought maybe there was, uh, maybe I wasn't sharing that I was like struggling in my a poop, a poop counselor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> right. God. Yeah. So I ended up, I ended up, so at the time Chris and I were living in Topeka, we had no children and uh, we ended up moving to Wichita. And, and when I moved to Wichita, I re-engaged with some doctors because I was having some abdominal pain and it just wasn't going away and um, re-engaged with some doctors down there. And I found one doctor and um, he actually treats my sister now, my middle sister, Sandra, who also carries the same type of gene that I carry. So, um, and I'll get to that in a moment, but um, Dr. Levens in Wichita is said to me, I'm not gonna give up on you. I know there's something wrong. And they did uh, a battery of tests, of course, they ended up finding um, a mass in my small intestines and they said we have to operate right away. Well, I was Jennifer, in. Just to clarify, how long was that from that first time that you mm -hmm. were like, okay, maybe something isn't right? Yeah, I definitely lived like this for at least a year and a half. Oh my um, gosh, since you had the poop conversation. Yes, because doctors wouldn't listen to me. Like I was going through all these tests and uh, and my doctors now are phenomenal. It, it, I don't know that it wasn't that they weren't listening to me, but if you think about it, 20 years ago, you know, the even the age to get colonoscopies 20 years ago was in your 50s and older. Right. And right. I was a 26 year old girl and they just said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a little anemic, but that's it. We can't find anything else wrong with you. Well, I was anemic because I was bleeding internally and they couldn't figure out the source of, of the bleeding. So I lived that way for about they a year and a half. offer a colonoscopy. Like, so you were bleeding and did they, you were bleeding, like you could see it in your stools and they yes. still were like, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because they couldn't <sighs> find anything. And I did do a colonoscopy in my twenties and they couldn't find anything. And the challenge with me, I'm, every doctor says I'm a little bit of a special case is because it's in my small intestines. So in your abdomen, your small intestines kind of sits right underneath your chest line, your breastbone, right? and your colon is much lower. And when you do a colonoscopy and an endoscopy, an endoscopy is upper and a colonoscopy is lower, there's a portion of your intestines they cannot get to in your small bowel. So they can't get to it. And so that's the challenge is I was having these tests done, but they weren't finding anything because I okay. couldn't get to it. So I just had a colonoscopy. So we'll do a little bit of like, for people who yeah. are listening. So I, because my grandfather had colon cancer, my grandmother died of ovarian cancer. And so they're like, look, 45, you got to go in and do yes. it. And my OB had them do, like she required them to do a colonoscopy where they go a little bit deeper. Like it wasn't, you know, I don't know what it, I think maybe it's what you talked about that they really want you to go. I, but she had them do like the extra little bit more. Good. Um, and I did have a, I was clear, but they said five years for you just because of family history. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. I mean, knowing your family history is key. You know, nobody in my family had ever had colon cancer. And that was another thing that I think was leading the doctors to say, oh, there's really nothing we can find because I didn't have a history of anything. Um, but Michael Evans, he, he said, I'm not going to give up on you. And, and he did find the tumor. Um, and I had went into surgery that next Monday thinking that it was um, like an infection, like inflammation or something. And I woke up and they said I had had stage three small bowel cancer. So oh. it was 
It was definitely a shock because I'm 26 years old. I'm barely an adult, <laughs> you know, right. I'm, I'm newly married. And all I really wanted to do was have kids at this point because right. all my friends were having kids and they're telling me I had stage three small bowel cancer and I was going to need chemotherapy at 26. It just kind of hit me and I was I was, it, it, it was brief though. The, the emotions that I went through was very brief. I was mad. I was sad. I was angry all kind of in the same day. And then I said to myself, eh, it's okay. I'm going to be fine. Let's just give me the plan. Let's just do the plan. What's the chemo journey look like? And you know, I'll get to work. Right. And so how long did you, so they operated, they got everything out and yeah. it was a pretty big operation. Like didn't, didn't you have a pretty, like, it was a big recovery and scar and, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Big recovery. Um, I spent nine days in the hospital, eight days in the hospital, something like that, because they literally, I, I've got like a, a six, uh, I, I was probably a six or seven inch scar from my belly button to the bottom of my breastbone is where they sliced me open. And when you think about cutting into all those abdominal muscles, of course, it's, right. it's, traumatic trying to get up, walk, cough, sneeze. It's, I mean, it's just, it's unbearable, but um, yeah, it's a pretty tough surgery. And then I, six weeks later is when I started chemo. And then I did chemo in my twenties for nine months. Um, I did not lose my hair, which was great because the type of cancer that I had, even though it was a stage three um, small bowel cancer, um, the type of chemo that they give for that, you do not lose your hair. I was sick, right. you know, nauseous, diarrhea, just the regular symptoms, but um, I, I handled it pretty well. I, I actually continued to work 40 hours a week at my job oh my gosh. while undergoing chemo. Yeah. Oh so it was, you are a badass. So you got through chemo and then yeah. you got cleared. Yeah. And then, so then it was time to have kids, right? Like I was just in that countdown, uh, you know, I was 26. I wanted to have kids and they told me I had to wait five years. And I was like, what? This is crazy. Like all my friends are going to be done having kids by then. I'm not going to be able to share these moments. And, you know, my sister had already had two kids. Um, so then, you know, I was 30. I had my first first child at 30, Ava. She's now 16. And, I know, and Ben and amazing. Ava. We were pregnant at the same time. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Amazing kids. So, you know, it's funny. The 46-year-old the me looks back at the 26-year-old me, and I thought it was so important to be – doing everything in, in, in order of what society says is right. right. And because I didn't have like a, a great career at that time in my, in my late twenties, I was just working. Um, but I didn't have something that I wanted to really focus on. So I was traumatized by the fact that I couldn't have kids and be a mom and start this life that I thought was the right one, but you know, everything worked out and, we were able to bring her home to a house that we owned and we both had great career, you know, so it just all works yeah. out for, for, for the reason that it's supposed to, but yes, I had my first child at 30 and um, then, uh, you know, went about to try to have another baby because, <laughs> you know, after Ava was, she was five and we're like, okay, we gotta, we gotta get on this. So um, right. at uh, 36, uh, I, well, I discovered I was pregnant, right? And we had Maxwell. Um, and then at 37, I was diagnosed a second time with another round of small bowel cancer. Oh 
And it's weird because, you know, I have a six-year-old daughter and an 18-month-old baby boy, and I'm traveling for work. I'm now in my career. I'm totally focused. I've got this great job. And I was in Las Vegas at a, at a conference, and I remember feeling my stomach like that same feeling I had in my 20s 10 years ago. And I came home and I told my husband, I said, I, I think that I have cancer again. And he's like, Jen, that's crazy. Like, that's okay. Why do you think right. that? So I went ahead and went to the, my doctors and said, hey, I think I have cancer again. And, you know, I'm having the same types of pains, same, same exact, everything was the same. Right. And my doctor looked at me, she's like, people just don't get small bowel cancer and they definitely don't get it twice, but we'll go ahead and run some tests. But I doubt that's what it is. Right. And come to come to find out it indeed was uh, I did indeed have small bowel cancer a second time. Um, and that's when they said, OK, something's not right here. We should test you for some genetic. We should do some genetic testing. And that's when I came back positive for Lynch syndrome. OK. And so what was the I mean, first off, like if you were listening to this this episode, trust your instincts. And we know our bodies. We mm -hmm. know when something is wrong. And be, you have to be an advocate. You really have to be an advocate for yourself because the healthcare system, especially now, is so overwhelmed yes. with so much shit and mental health and physical health and more cancer and all the stuff. You know, we throw COVID on top of it. And you have to literally scream sometimes, I feel like, to be seen and for people to believe you. You're right, 100%. And the only reason I believe that I am here today is because I was just that. I was my own mm -hmm. advocate. I kept going back to the doctors in my 20s and I said, something isn't right. Like I'm, I, I went to the gym. I remember going to the gym one time with Chris and I, I, I almost passed out. Like I was so anemic. I was so sick and nobody was listening to me and I just kept going back to doctors. So right. you have to advocate for yourself. The second time around, I was like, there's something not right. I could tell I, and I have this weird, you know, connection with my body now clearly. And it's not weird. It's, it's actually a, a, a beautiful thing that I have, but I can just tell. And, and it, you know, when you are having the same exact pain, like, don't be one of those people that just, I don't have time to go to the doctor or, oh, it's just a little pain. You have to, if you're not advocating for yourself, it could, it, it could end much differently. Right. Uh, and so you were diagnosed with Lynch syndrome. That's the, mm -hmm. the gene or the genetic and your sister, Sandra has it. Yeah. So after they told me to get genetic testing, I called my family and I said, hey, you know, my doctors are making me do this. They're saying that potentially I could have some sort of gene mishap that is creating this cancer in my body. And you guys should also get tested. So um, at the time, my dad was fighting colon cancer and, um, you know, he was 60. So, I mean, nothing abnormal in in the fact that he had colon cancer it was it was stage one so they were just going to go in and, and clean it up and he would live his life normally and um so everybody went ahead and got tested and we we actually um received the gene from my father's side so he is lynch syndrome positive also and and since his colon cancer diagnosis he's also been diagnosed with leukemia 
Um, and he's fighting that, you know, that's the cancer of your blood. So you just kind of, you have that your entire life, you just maintain it. And he's, he's, um, in remission for the most part. And then my sisters also got tested, Sandra and Amy, I'm the oldest of three. And the only one that had it was Sandra. So uh, Sandra and I both carry the PMS2 gene, which is the gene, Lynch is made up of five different genes. Um, and PMS2 uh, focuses on the gastric, the GI area. And so okay. that explains all the, the small bowel cancer. Um, and it's also linked to ovarian cancer as well. Um, okay. So before we get into the round three, round two, <laughs> did you have to have surgery? Did you have to do chemo again? Yeah. So I did. Uh, and I'll share the story with you. It just means so much. It'll be one of those memories that's ingrained on my brain forever. Um, I did have to have surgery, same exact surgery. So again, they cut me from my belly button up to the bottom of my breastbone. Um, same recovery, same, you know, in the hospital, eight, nine days, um, a, a hard surgery, uh, but manageable. I mean, I had two babies via C-section, so I was, you know, putting yeah. all into perspective. <laughs> um, and one day, the day that we, uh, we had told Ava, of course, she was six, she was going to be seven. And um, this was May, uh, uh, Ava's six, she turned seven in June and um, planning a big birthday party for her. And I'm just thinking, how am I gonna do this with a six-year-old, a two-year-old, an almost two-year-old is just crazy. But we prepared for it and went in for surgery and everything was great. Um, one day before surgery, though, I was driving with Ava in the car. And I'll never forget that Sarah Borella's song, Be Brave, came on the radio. And mm -hmm. Ava's sitting in a little uh, sundress, a little red and white sundress. And I look in my rearview mirror of my car and she's sitting in the back and she's looking to the side and, and tears. She's just sobbing. You know, tears are streaming down her face. And I said, uh, baby doll, what's wrong? And she said, I just, I'm just listening to this song and I just want you to be brave. And I just want you to, oh my God. I'm sorry. She said, no, it's okay. She said, I just want you to be okay because I love you and I don't want you to be sick. <laughs> and I will forever remember that moment with her. Because that's what I was, that's who I was fighting for at that moment. I wasn't even fighting for her, you know, or for me. In my 20s, I was fighting and I was young and I was ready to fight. <laughs> In my 30s, right. I have these two kids and it's amazing life. And now I'm fighting for someone else. And it's just one of those things that still Ava is now 16 <laughs> and she still talks to me about that song. And as a matter of fact, she brought it up the other day before I went into surgery and the girl has ordered ovarian cancer colors teal. So she's ordered these wristbands that say that are teal that say be brave on it. And oh my she gosh. Just, she's just an amazing kid. So I have learned throughout the years that I'm fighting the fight for different reasons but it's still a fight worth fighting. And um, right. I just love that moment well, that I had with her. It was just really special. Yeah. Well, I think that as a mother, right? I mean, though you realize how big their little hearts are and also just how they are, um, they're so dialed into us. You know, I mean, yeah. that connection between a mother and a child is just, 
it's so powerful. And her sweet little heart was scared. <laughs> and, you know, but the fact also that she, that she was so in tune to listen to the words of the soul at age at six, six. <laughs> in the back seat in her car seat, you know? Yeah. Um, so you, it was a special with, moment for sure. yeah, well, and that song for oh, her that, and for you. Oh, that song will forever be our song. It's just, yeah. it's our song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you beat cancer again. So I beat it again. And then, um, you know, life is grand. I've got now got a 16 year old girl who is a competitive dancer and keeps us very busy. And a 10 year old boy, Max is now 10. And he doesn't really remember, you know, me being sick, obviously, because right. he's a baby. Um, and in the fall of last year, September of last year, I just wasn't feeling well again. I was starting to feel real tired a lot. Like, and I have a, a corporate job, so I, was feeling like I needed to go, you know, and I'm still kind of working from home every once in a while. I felt like I had to go take a nap. Like I was so exhausted and not just a daily, just, I had a lot to do. It was literally, I was so physically tired. I couldn't keep my eyes open. Right. Um, it wasn't like, I want to go lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah, no, 20 minutes wasn't going to do it. I needed like hours of sleep. So I was sleeping a lot and also feeling like, kind of bloated and just like I could no matter how much exercise I did I couldn't you know maybe I was eating too much salt I was just feeling kind of fluffy if you will right and I was peeing a lot like you're I had frequent urination all the time I was using the bathroom like even the tiniest little bit of urine on my bladder I would have to go to the bathroom I couldn't sleep through it I couldn't sit through it nothing and so I just thought okay I need to start I need to you know I'm January of this year of 2023 is when I would have done my colonoscopies and all the tests. And so I just thought I need to start figuring this out. Well, this was in September. And so I went to my doctors and they said, well, we could do a PET scan, which a PET scan is, and you may be familiar with them for people who um, have had cancer in the past. And it kind of scans your whole body for activity that might be there from some cancer cells. So I did the PET scan and um, my baby sister got married on um, New Year's Eve. And I found out the results like just a few days before her wedding that the pet had lit something up. So something lit up. I didn't know it was cancer yet, but something um, had caught its attention. And so then I knew after the first year I was going to be um, going on that journey. So. I went, so the pet lit up. So in January, then they said, well, let's go ahead and get you scheduled for your colonoscopy, your endoscopy. So I did all of those regular tests. All those tests came back fine. And then in February, they said, let's biopsy it. Um, this mass, they found a little mass in my perirectal area, which is down in your rectum, but it's not in your rectum. It's in the peritoneal cavity that's next to your rectum. So if you think of a, of, of something that encases it, the, the nodule was between my rectum and, and that encasement, if you will. And so they did an MRI and they biopsied it in February and the tests were inconclusive. They couldn't get enough um, material to biopsy. And so they said, we're gonna check it in three months. 
And so fast forward then to June of this year and they rebiopsied it. And again, um, and, and it came back, it was testing positive for, for cancer. They just didn't know what kind of cancer. So it was either gonna be small bowel cancer or ovarian cancer. And um, I said, okay, well, what do we, you know, what do we do? And they're like, well, this is gonna require surgery. Um, you know, you're also 46. Should we do the hysterectomy at the same time? Because Lynch syndrome PMS2 uh, does have history of ovarian and uterine cancer. So I had kind of been, you know, as a female does, uh, kind of going back and forth in my head, like I didn't want to do it, but I knew I needed to do it. Right. So I said, sure, let's just let's just do the whole thing. Let's do the hysterectomy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm done having kids. Let's just get this thing done. And um, I spent nine days at KU Med, um, an amazing, amazing facility and under amazing care. The doctors and nurses there are just, you know, my saviors, my angels. And um, they did a HIPEC treatment this time. So this is a bit of a bigger surgery. So they now have sliced me from, I have over a foot long scar now on my abdomen where, and then they stapled me back up uh, to heal. And what a HIPEC treatment is, is they give you chemotherapy when you're back in surgery. They warm it up to 98 degrees, your body temperature. They insert it into your abdomen and then they temporarily close you for 90 minutes. And then they move your body back and, and forth and oh swish it about. So it's a pretty tough surgery. It's it's pretty hard. They don't do a lot of high pec surgeries unless they're absolutely warranted, um, because it you're you're literally shocking your bowels. Your bowels stop working. Your body gets very sick. Um, you get very tired and worn down. But it was my insurance policy. I I wanted this high pec treatment because I felt like if they could give me chemo inside my body it would help kill any extra microscopic cells. Right, right. So they did that, they removed my uh, female reproductive system and then five days later, they came into the my room and told me that it was indeed ovarian cancer. So they tested the mass, which was now the size of a quarter. They tested that mass as well as my ovaries and I had cancer in my ovaries growing and I didn't know it. I wouldn't have known it had it not been for the metastasis over into my perirectal area, that one little mass showing up. Oh my gosh. And so had it spread into your abdomen or was it uh, still confined to the ovaries yeah. and that mass? Yeah, so it was just confined. So it had not spread to my abdomen. The only um, spreading that it had done was that one little mass in my perirectal area, which is what caught it, right? Because that's what lit up. Even when I did the PET scan, um, you know, my ovaries, it, there was just, the way they were laying and the way the cancer was, they couldn't, it didn't see it. And so right. they caught it by by that one little mass, but it had, it, it was contained, it had spread to my lymph node, my lymphatic system, obviously. So, because that's how that mass got there and they've diagnosed me as T3A um, ovarian cancer. So what that means is it just had spread outside of the site of the ovaries. And so they are um, recommending, and I will be doing an 18-week chemo treatment starting next Friday. 
18 weeks and it's every 18. every week no it's every three weeks so this one's a little okay. bit different from the last one so i did do every week with the with my small bowel cancer this chemo will be every third friday so it's only six treatments over 18 weeks um and they do that because it's a pretty aggressive treatment uh, you know right. they they have prepared me that i should consider taking off of work full-time um which I have not done yet. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm still recovering from my my little stint here of surgery, so I'm I'm not yet back to work. So I'll have two chemo treatments under my belt before I need to get back to my um, job. And if I need to take time off, of course I will. I work for an amazing firm and company, so they've been very understanding. But, um, yeah, it's it's been it's been quite the journey. And so what have they said, you're going to have the chemo and then what, what after that, like what's, yeah. you know, what's next? So really it's just, it just continue care, right? I, I am a, I am a patient of healthcare and I have to realize that every year. So every year I go and get colonoscopies, double balloon enteroscopies. That's where they can get down even lower um, I get CT scans and MRIs and PET scans, and this is just, it's my new normal, which is totally, you know, yeah, it, it sucks and nobody likes to do it, but it's okay because the, the alternative is that I wouldn't be here. And right. so I'm okay putting in the work, right? I get to live. I get to be here. I've, I was an advocate for my own body. I found... I was able to find that there was something wrong with my doctors. We worked together and I will live another 40, 50, 60 years, you know? I mean, cancer yeah. isn't going to kill me. <laughs> uh, oh my God. I love your attitude. I mean, I think if as the listeners and I, even I'm thinking like, I would have been like FML, like what yeah. the, how, why God, why are you still doing this to me? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I mean, even after I lost my dad, and this is a terrible thing to admit, but anyone who's been through a grief journey, I would see people like on the street, like old sick people. And I'd be like, how come you're here and my dad's not? Yeah. You know, like you ask the universe these questions and obviously there's no answer, but it's, we're only human. And, you know, the fact that you've just remained so resilient and positive, I, I know you're going to like, well, you, what other choice do you have? But still like, there has to be those moments where you're just like, Fucked it. <laughs> oh, uh, 100%. I was pissed. I was, I was literally started laughing. I almost like a hysterical laugh. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, are, right. I said, this is, I said, no, 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 no. I've already had cancer twice. Like, I don't, I don't get to have it a third time. I, I mean, I went through all of that. I was pissed. I was angry. I asked God, why me? Like, what have I done? Like, I have this I I have this amazing career, this amazing life, like, and you've got these low life criminals running around on the streets. And I'm just like, I don't understand. And I, I, I still go through that. I still ask those questions because I still have good days and I have bad days. But whenever, whenever I have a bad day, I lean into it. And I take that bad day because I think that's important for my mental being. I have to have those days. Um, I can't, I know that I am not that strong, even though people around me think that I'm the strongest person they've ever met. I know I'm going to have bad days and I need to lean into those because that's part of the journey. It's part right. of the grief journey. It's part of the healing journey. 
And then I wake up and the sun is shining. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm a badass woman. I'm going to conquer today and I'm going to be yeah. just fine. So yeah, I, I love that I you give yourself that. that space because I, I even, you know, even, you know, my grief journey of losing my father, I'll talk to someone and, and I'm like, just give yourself the space. Like you, yes. it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to feel whatever anyone feels. And we've gotten in this like toxic positivity, almost culture where, you know, good vibes only yeah. <laughs> and when real life and shit like That's this happens, it's like you have to give yourself the space to feel whatever it is you feel and however long it takes. And then you do have to get back up and get on your feet yeah. and be like, okay, like I'm going to go kick ass. Yes. And, and you're right. I'm, I, I love positive energy, but I'm not, I know that I'm going to have bad days and I have to, in order for myself to heal. And I think for others who may be going through, you know, whatever it might be a, a journey of grief or of sadness or, or um, sickness or illness, sickness, or just self, you know, questioning, whatever it might be, you know, it's important that your mind go through those bad days because that's part of the healing journey. You have to go there, but you can't stay there. <laughs> you right. have to get your ass up and you have to put on your big girl pants or your big boy pants and you have to do it because right. I have two amazing kids and a wonderful husband and amazing life that I'm not willing to give up on yet. Yeah. I'm just not willing to. And, and I won't, I, I just won't. I, I will. I don't know how it is that I'm going to leave this earth, but it's not going to be from cancer. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so let's talk about your, one of the things I want to talk about are the support systems. And I think it's so important that, you know, we really truly have support systems in place when people are, you know, going through illness or cancer or grief or whatever. Talk, talk to us a little bit about your family. Yeah. And just let's start with your immediate family because that's got to be, I mean, in total transparency, you know, when my mom had her double mastectomy, um, I was not, I was not prepared for that. Like I was not prepared to be her caretaker and I had no idea like what this, you know, the surgery would look like. And she, she opted to not have reconstruction and the, the drains and the, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it was, it was overwhelming as for me just to see my mother like that and to be strong, but it's also, it's hard. Like it's emotionally hard for the people that love you as well. And so I think that that's one thing that I think a lot of times people don't know what to say, what to do, how to act. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult thing. You know, Mike, we, we sat our kids down a couple weeks ago and we told them about the chemo treatment and we told them that I am going to lose my hair and it is going to be a tough time for us, but we're, you know, we're the Leons. We're going to do this together. Yeah. And, you know, of course my son had a million questions about going bald because <laughs> he is, he's Mr. Curious. And um, Ava was real quiet and she just asked me if I was going to get a wig and, you know, if I was going to draw on my eyebrows and, you know, just kind of girl yeah. stuff. Um, but, you know, I know that, the support that I get from them, it, at least for me, it's important that my life stay pretty normal. Like, you know, when I came home from surgery, of course, I needed to have a hospital bed to to sleep in for about a week or so. And I got one and, and that really helped. Um, but, you know, people don't really know what to say in that time. People wanted to bring food. People wanted to bring flowers. People just wanted to come visit. 
And I think those are all extremely important things when you are, when you see somebody that you love who is going through something so traumatic. Um, and you really have to figure out what works best for you and that person as far as your relationship. It, is this, is this your best friend who is struggling? You know, is it, it just an acquaintance, you know, whatever it might be, you know, I opted to have people come visit me all the time because I like people. Like I am a right. social person. I don't do very well being by myself for, for long periods of time. And so I wanted people to come flood the house, but my wonderful adoring husband was like, no, 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 you need to rest. Like they can come back later. <laughs> right. So, you know, I think it's, it's different for everybody and you just have to really know that person. And if you don't know that person, you don't know what to do even a card in the mail you know i have received so many cards in the mail like people don't mail cards anymore and yeah. i love to get a card in the mail and and i honestly save them all i have a box with each of my cancer journeys of stuff that people have given to me and i i, I keep it like it's it's like the stuff you keep when your babies are babies right like i yeah. keep it all and and go back and read on it so you know, we just wanted people to act normal around us. And I wanted my friends to still come visit me um, and, and just go on about life because this isn't going to define who I am. It will definitely help mold me into a, a different person as now I'm in this new decade of life and, and struggling, but um, it's definitely not going to define me. So support can mean anything to it, it, something different to everybody. So I think that it really just kind of depends on what you're comfortable showing towards that person who might be going through grief or a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you guys did gift cards for the, like, cause I was in, well, and just in total transparency, yeah. um, I have really given up Facebook just for a lot of personal reasons over the last few, like few, just basically since the election, I just, the, there was so divisive. There was so many, like every time yeah. I'd get on there, I just like, I can't do this. I just, you know, as an empath, I would get so caught up in things that it would, pers it had all this like personal, I was like, I, you know, my husband's not on social media at all. He's like, get off yeah. Facebook. And He's so smart. I randomly, He's the only smart one. <laughs> I randomly went on Facebook literally just like a few weeks ago and I, I was like, fell off my chair, like, oh my God, I didn't even know. And so I immediately reached out and, you know, I was like, can I bring food? Can I, I was like, what can I do? And I love that you were like, let's, we're doing gift cards for the kids because yeah. they're at an age, right? Where, and I remember after my dad died, I remember calling one friend finally, I was like, we please stop the train, stop the food train. I, I don't want all this. I don't want, like, <laughs> if I see another fucking casserole in my house, I will, I will throw it in the yard at the wall like, yeah yeah and again that's people's love language like some people you know they they want to cook or they want to do like yeah. people are just trying to do what they know they know best and so it wasn't like i wasn't like i don't want your food but it was just it was too much yeah yeah no i i'm the same way so i show my love to others by cooking the same so i would have been one of those people doing a train you know all the things i love to cook but I had my neighbor, I had my sister, I had my mother-in-law asking to start a, a meal trade. I had the dance, uh, the dance company that Ava dances for. I was like, for the love of God, please no, because here's why. 
I literally see my kids at seven in the morning and then I don't see them again until sometimes nine o'clock at night. Like right. nobody is here. Ava is dancing. She's at the dance studio. Max is either at football or basketball or school of religion or whatever it might be. He's saxophone lessons. Like these kids are so right. busy and we're just a small family of four. And I just could see all this food piling up and none of it getting eaten. <laughs> Right. And so while I did have I a know. few people bring me food, which I, I said, as long as I can freeze it and it's in a manageable size, you know, not a nine by 13, but like an eight by eight. Yeah. <laughs> because I just I, I don't want to throw it away. And and the gift cards, you know, Ava's driving. So I if she has gift cards to Kava and Doc Greens and those healthy places she likes to eat right. the grocery store, she can jump and run and go get something. Yeah. Max, you know, gift cards to Chick-fil-A and Raising Cane's and all that. That way his dad can take him after all those activities. And I don't have to worry about cooking because, yes, others wanted to bring food, but then nobody's at home at a decent time to eat it because nobody's going to yeah. eat dinner at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, I was the same way. No meal train. Just give us gift cards to the grocery store or gas cards or food cards. because Just to anything to make things a little easier. Yes, yes, because our lives are so busy right now. We're just so damn busy and nobody has time to sit down. We literally sit down on Sunday nights together and have dinner and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so I'm curious, you know, the, the podcast is called Big Ask. We started this to empower women to ask for what they want, to put their big ask out into the universe, to, mm. to just not play small in their lives. And I think that so many times as women, we just, we don't ask for what we want. We're natural caregivers. We're naturally love to take care of other people. It's natural to put us at the bottom of the totem pole. Um, so I'm curious about, you know, I think it was like your journey, right? In your 20s, your big ask was like, I just want to have kids. Like I just, that was it at that point in time, right? And like, I just want a normal life of like a, a woman. And then you got into your 30s and you were in a different spot with two little kids at home. And now you're in your 40s. You're getting ready to go through your third lifetime of chemo. Like what is your big ask right now? Well, my number one ask is to stop getting cancer. <laughs> yes. Dear God. I have one, uh, dear one God. request, please. Dear baby Jesus, all I need from you is no more cancer. Yeah. Um, you know, I told my husband, I said, you're going to have to, you know, I'm, this model's breaking down. You better start looking for a new model. He's like, I would no. never, ever, ever. No, he's, he's amazing. Um, you know, it's it's funny because my asks did change, right? Like you mentioned, in my 20s, it was, I just wanted to have kids. In my 30s, it was, dear God, please just let me live to be here for these kids, right? And now in my 40s, I would say my big ask is for others, like, you know, I don't know even know how to say this, but, and, and it might come off a little bit rambly, so hang with me for just a moment, but... <laughs> You know, I remember being in my 20s and my 30s and people saying, oh, your 40s are so different. And they're just, they're such great years, your 40s and your 50s, right? Yeah. And now I'm here and right. I'm thinking, okay, this is, there's some truth to that. Like I have a, a sense of myself. I feel more comfortable in my skin than I ever have. Um, and I have this amazing group of friends that love me dearly and family support system. But I would say that my big ask is to ask others, like the people around me, right? My loved ones, my family members is to just don't, 
don't be, um, don't sit in silence over something, right? Like, right. what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? My sister texted me yesterday and said that um, a dear friend of ours from, from, from back home has recently been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer and they've given him weeks to live. So my ask to her was, why did he wait so long to go see right. a doctor? And, and that would be my big ask to everybody is don't, why do you wait? Why do you put it off? What are you waiting for exactly? Are you, right. are you waiting for the pain to get so horribly bad that you then go and, and, and find your doctors and then they give you this, this death sentence? Or are you waiting because you're just so, too damn stubborn to take the time to go do it? Right. My big ask, I was telling uh, some girlfriends last night, I went out to dinner with some dance moms. One in 78 women will get ovarian cancer. I'm one in 78 women. So, and I know, you know, 78 women, right. like, and, and, and the woman next door knows 78 women. Like, why are we, my big ask is why wait? What, like, what are you waiting for? Because now I'm in these, now I'm in my forties. I have these amazing older kids. I can go and do, I can travel. Chris and I have promised each other we're going to travel when this is over with. And I just want to ask people, what are you waiting for? Right. Like, stop right. waiting. And, and maybe they're waiting for a sign. Maybe they're waiting for time. Maybe they're waiting for, for something that's never going to get there. But I, I guess that would be it. Like, what? Yeah. Like, why wait? Well, and I think it's not even wait to go to the doctor. It's like, why wait on living the life that you really want to do that like, you, you know i mean <laughs> that you know if you're completely miserable in a job find something else you know i mean i think that we we put off so many things in our lives because oh one of these days oh the timing's not right oh it's not ready oh you know i remember in my 30s i was talking to a friend and she was thinking about getting pregnant she's like well i've got this and this there's a a trip in february and something and i was like girl there's never a good time to get pregnant okay like right. there's always going to be something yeah so if you want to have a baby get pregnant like it's right. fine like you'll be pregnant on the trip like who cares like you know like there's yeah. not a like we don't get to time out like perfect time where we're not gonna have anything going on for nine months or whatever else and you know in my uh workshops and my keynotes i talk about um people forming what i call these butterfly goals and it's this idea that it's these like transformational huge goals that we've mm -hmm. always had for ourselves but we've never done because the timing's not right and sometimes it's something is like i've always wanted to run a marathon but they never took that first jog, right? Or I wanted to write a book or I want to start a baking company. I mean, this, and so one of the things I challenge them to do is to talk about, you know, what is their butterfly goal and we do all this stuff. And it is, it's a really magical time when people start sharing because I've given them permission to, right? I mean, this is mm -hmm. like, I tell them like, you're a caterpillar right now. Like we know how hard it is for the caterpillar to become the butterfly. And what people come up with when you give them permission to say, like, whatever it is, mm -hmm. they have these wild, amazing butterfly goals of, you know, who they came to be and what they really want. And what happens is crazy is that when you get in a room with a bunch of people and everyone has a big ask of like, why wait, go do it. People start to get like extremely courageous and I mean, I've had people sign up for Iron Man's like while they're sitting in there, like, okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go do this, you know. So I was like, well, you know, are you in good shape because you just signed up for what three months? Yeah, I, I have a similar. 
I have a similar story. I, you know, during COVID, I thought I wanted to get out of corporate America because I'd stopped traveling. I, I was spending time at home now with my family. I was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, I love being home. Um, and I said, I want to get, I want to leave my corporate job. And so I went and became a real estate agent. So not only am I vice president of a software solution for medical patient billing, but I'm also, it was something I'd always wanted to do. And my husband said, well, what are you waiting for? And yeah. I said, well, that's a great idea. You're, you've got a great point. Like, what am I waiting for? And I went and did it. And now it's it's kind of a, a part-time thing. You know, I'm not doing it full-time, obviously. And now I've taken a little break. But it was something that I wanted to do. And I kept saying, what am I waiting for? Why am I waiting? Yeah. I'm not getting any younger. And so I just went yeah. and did it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that I mean, about you. And I shared that story at the uh, real estate conference because we talked about that before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to do something. I just want to do something different. The other thing that I want to do is I want, I actually want to write a book about my cancer journey geared towards like children, because off of that moment I shared with Ava in the car, I want to build off of that moment. Yeah. Not only for other people to take and use as they need to on their journey, but more of a time capsule for me and my daughter. Um, yeah. That's something that I really want to do, but I just haven't done it yet because I'm like, yeah. I don't have any time. I know a great <laughs> writing coach that I use. He's amazing and would be oh, great to, to work with him. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to get his information because that is a, that is a big life goal for me. And I, you know, after the second diagnosis, I said I was going to do it and then I just didn't do it. And now after this third diagnosis, I'm like, damn it, I am going to do it now. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer, how long are the chemo treatments when you go in? Like how long do you have to sit in there? And can you write? Could you yeah. write or do something with your hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have my port put in on Monday this week. So I will have free access uh, to take my computer and do everything. It's an eight hour infusion day. So it's a full day. Um, yeah. They told well, me to maybe, all day. Maybe uh, use an hour or two of that time each time you go in to work on that butterfly goal. Like, you know what? Yeah. I'm just going to write. I mean, I'm going to, it's like the, you know, kind of a weird time to be writing about it, but you're sitting there getting chemotherapy for the third time you've had cancer and you, <laughs> you wanted to do this book. And it would be a, it would be a really um, probably like vulnerable enough time for you to just say, write exactly what you want to write. Yeah. Um, because that's the hardest thing I think as, as a writer, as an author is like finding one, the time, like just yeah. the time to do it. Oh, I think it's out. Are Can you, you still see me? Yeah. Okay. Um, my screen just did a real swirly oh, bird okay. thing. Um, it's finding one, the time to write uninterrupted and two, to be able to be in a vulnerable, vulnerable enough position to just write what's on your heart. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I will definitely, uh, have lots of time. <laughs> so I, and I think you're right about, it might be the, it actually might be the right time um, in the moment, because that's when all your real feelings are coming out and it's, it's still new and fresh versus if I wait, it's going to go away. And then I'm just, it's going to get stale. Like my, what's in my head right now is, is still fresh. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's always been on my list. So, but. So we're getting ready to wrap up here. I would love to know, you know, you've given us like so much today, so much of your heart, so much of your story. I love you. I'm just, I'm just so proud of you <laughs> as a woman and you just inspire me so much. And you're just, just your heart is gold. You're a wonderful mother. You've just been an amazing wife. I love, you know, you and your husband have such a, 
just beautiful relationship and have been through so much together. But, you know, is there any uh, advice or wisdom that you want to leave someone maybe who's just been recently diagnosed or has a loved one who's been diagnosed? Yeah, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, my, my motto is never give up. Don't settle, right? Do not settle. If you feel in your heart of hearts and in your body that you are struggling with something, do not settle. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that if you have been diagnosed, I, I would I would love to, you know, connect with other survivors. Um, I just, you know, I've never had ovarian cancer. I don't know what, I know that September is ovarian cancer awareness month. So that was the actual month that I was having my surgery. So next year in September, you know, my son is, he was wearing all the pink for breast cancer awareness. Now he can wear the teal for, um, ovarian cancer awareness in September. But um, I, I would just say to somebody who might be going through this, you know, you're not alone and it can always be worse. It can always like, that's what I keep telling myself when I get mad about losing the hair and get mad about being sick. Like it, it could be so much worse. I could have had a terminal illness. I could, I could be living in Israel right now. You know what I mean? Like right. it could be so much worse. It could have been a brain tumor. It could have affected my mental capacity. Like I get to live. And, and I think that anybody who is listening, who may be going through a, an illness, whether it be a you know, small to large illness, just do not give up because life is too beautiful. There's just so many more things left to do and life's just too beautiful to give up on it. Yeah, I love that so much. So we want to know how we could support you and or anyone going through this. We kind of talked a little bit about that, but I, I'm curious, you mentioned these bracelets that your daughter has. Are you yes. guys like selling those for charity or just giving them out? Like, how could we get those to go next level for <laughs> everyone? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, she just got them for to, to Are wear. Are they like for, the plastic ones, like the rubbery yeah, the, ones that people the wear? Oh, plastic so ones. Yeah. Okay. She just wanted I to wanna get hand, some. hand them out. I'll, I'll make sure that you get some. But um. You know, we are we are pretty set. We've got a great support system, and I would just ask for for more, you know, prayers and positivity, and just positive all the time, just in nature. Go out into the universe and flood the universe with positivity and sunshine, because um, I'm gonna be okay, and I don't I don't need anything except for just people to continue to support me in in their daily texts or a card mail or whatever it might be, because. Uh, before I know it, this is going to be over with, and then I'm going to be traveling with my family and, and enjoying life again, and, and we'll move yes. on. But yes, um, you will. Yes, you will. You so know, when's your last treatment? So my last the, treatment like, will be in January, like the last, uh, it, actually, it'll be the first week in February. Sorry, the okay. first week in February. So, um, you know, I'll have a, a bit, uh, and I, I'll check in with you also and kind of let you know, and you can update your listeners as I go through the journey. But um yeah, I'm just, I'm ready to fight. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm good. Yeah. Now you are. tomorrow and ass. I may not be. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to kick ass and yes. you're going to be like, think about this spring, summer, you get to travel. You're going to yeah. be ready to go. I mean, this is the best time to do it because now the weather's getting cold. I want to stay home. I don't want to get outside. It, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'll be yeah. able to lay on the couch and watch the snowfall. It'll be great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Jennifer, I love you so much. Thank you so much for sharing you. your story, your journey. Um, you know, these are, it's important that we share these types of stories. One, just to create awareness, but two, I think also to create community. 
um, and, you know, truly belonging uh, together and taking care of each other as women. So yeah. thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you. I love you too. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll have to have you back. Okay. Yeah. Um, and find out where your where your what your big butterfly goals are and where you're going yeah. and how the book's coming along. Yes. <laughs> you're gonna have to hold me to that. Yes, for sure. Okay. I will. I will. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Big Ask podcast. Uh, send Jennifer your love and prayers. Send them up to heaven, and uh, we know that God will rain down with love and light and healing and health for her and her family. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.